Hello and welcome to another episode of Doom to Bloom podcast. Today we have another special guest, Mel, who is going to talk to us about what it means for fear of failure, but also fear of success, life transformations, and overall mental wealth. Hi, Mel. Hi, it is so wonderful to be here with you today. I'm excited. I'm excited to hear the juiciness that you're going to teach us. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) I think a lot of us, maybe generalizing a bit, but I think a lot of us really do struggle with kind of the the spectrum fear, the fear of failure on one end, but also the fear of success and succeeding. So I know I, I'm excited for this. (laughs) Yeah. It's such a core issue for, for most people, right? All humans feel fear and it's such a challenge for us. So it's great to be able to have the opportunity to cover this topic today. Where, where do you think is beneficial to, to start with this rather large, broad topic? Yeah, I think when it comes to fear, something I have observed, and I spend my days um, connecting with many people from all walks of life, and the, the, the pattern I have noticed in them and in myself has really centered on both this juxtaposition between fearing success and fearing failure, which sounds um, so paradoxical and so whimsical and fickle, but really is a core issue for so many of us as we try and step out into our new selves. And what was that, what was the kind of pattern, if you've seen any, that lead to these fears? Or is it very, I mean, I'm, I'm going to guess that it's probably very individualized, but do you, do you think there's any maybe similar patterns between the two that caused the fears or maybe led to the fears? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So a lot of people I connect with, um, I do transformational coaching. So really, it's bringing people from burnout, they're broken, they're exhausted, they just or they just haven't really got a sense of direction in their lives. They come to me and I work with them through that through a 12 week program. And the pattern I see is this, Um, we fear failure, because we're worried about what people will think we're worried about what we think of ourselves and what it means about our identity. So the fear of failure can just be hardwired into us through culture, right? So we live in Often I'm I'm engaging with people from predominantly English speaking first world countries and there is a strong drive around success and competition. Um, And really people are fearing failure in the context of um, worrying about what it means about who they are as a person. When it comes to fearing success, um, that's where someone may be on a journey, especially through building a business, for example, where their business might, it could really take off. You know, they've got some really good ideas. They've got good traction. But actually, what would it mean if they were wildly successful and suddenly maybe even affluent compared to their peers and their upbringing and everything that they've previously experienced what does that completely radically different life look and feel like? And the unfamiliarity of it can be quite frightening. So sometimes it is a subconscious act to self-sabotage and prevent that success rather than step into it. And so I get into the nitty gritty with people on those two issues because we have to work through it for them to be able to move forward into um, the future and into their, their their life of strength, renewal, um, transformation and energy. And how do you help others 
kind of work through those really big fears? Yeah, it's a good one. And really, it's very individualized because we first do a bit of digging into what are these fears and where, what are they what are they stemmed in? Where, where do they come from? So for a lot of people, that's just from their upbringing. A lot of people, um, it's really that self-perfection um, you know, really trying to live up to perfectionism. And um, again, who are you without that? And really, we do a good piece of identity work. So who am I as a human being, as a person? What are my core values? What's important to me? How do I perceive the world? So really kind of digging into that with each individual. And then I am, for example, I'll use myself as a case study here. I am Mel Homan. I have done a number of things in the past. I have particular set of values I have set goals and dreams and hopes um what if I strive for something and I don't achieve that what does that mean about who I am now really it's getting into I am still me whether I have success or failure failure is a very harsh word but something that people understand I am still me and the core of me still exists who I am my worth is the same and really establishing that in the individual, understanding that your worth remains the same through success, through failure, through life experiences, through your journey, your worth remains the same. You are still worth a, a wonderful, transformational, beautiful life. So really digging into all of it um, involves peeling back the onion layers, right? Like you're peeling back each layer of the onion to figure it out, figure out the puzzle pieces. So I do that with each individual. And then it's about, who am I understanding on my core beliefs and then holding tight to those as I move forward? Um, does that make sense to you? I'm trying to think it, if I'm explaining that well. It, it, no, it totally does. It's just working through these. When you say peel back the layers, do you mean kind of delving into not maybe as deep of work as other professionals would do, but are you more referring to like understanding their patterns, understanding their background, understanding like the inner child and all of that? Or is there different layers that I'm missing on? Yeah, I think for me, it's stripping us back down to who we are fundamentally as people, understanding identity, values, goals, beliefs, and ideas. And that's what forms us and our habits and behaviors. And then really working back through rebuilding that in a person, um, especially if they're struggling with fear of failure and that's rooted in, um, an identity issue. Other people will be rooted in just someone said something really mean when they were little and that they, that ever since and kind of going back to what forward to transform you into the process you're going forward into. I and mean, that can be for some people a personal growth goal and others it's a business grow growth goal, but that does involve some personal development as well. And you, you did mention that some of the people that you work with are just, I guess for lack of a better word, lost or maybe burnt out. Yeah, that's right. I think, I mean, we're just seeing an increasing wave of that in society right now. We've had COVID, we've had um, a lot of economic uncertainty, um, illness, a lot of change has happened in society. There's also an increasing awareness of healthy workplaces and, and sadly unhealthy workplaces and how that impacts our health. So many people are feeling burnt out and burn, burnout is really a phenomenon coined by the World Health Organization, which directly correlates to your work. However, people can be burnt out um, 
from work and that affects every area of their life. So burnout really is something where you feel depleted and exhausted. It has some similar attributes to people with depression where you're just feeling withdrawn and uninterested in what's going on around you. And really I put together the stepping stones for you to get all the way from burnout to complete renewal and transformation. And not only that, but to equip you to remain in burnout recovery and living in renewal and energy and joy for the rest of your life if you follow the steps. Um, and some people will struggle to follow the steps because they find it hard to do what is right and good and healthy for themselves for a number of reasons, right? So then they come back and we go, okay, let's look at this. Um, but yes, I work with people who are burnt out and I work with people who feel just unclear of what direction they're going in in life. And I do what it, I call road mapping. So I road map with somebody. So I'm, I, we create the road map from where they are now to where they want to be and how to get there. And that's a very powerful experience. And so is a roadmap essentially, I guess what it sounds like in that you have the destination where they want to get and then kind of map out how to get there and what steps to do and how to care for the self to do that? Yeah, essentially, um, you look at where someone is at right now and where they would like to be. And some of that discussion around where they would like to be might might require some work. So if someone says, you know, I, I, I work as a gardener and I want to be an astronaut, you know, maybe we'll have a conversation about why they want to be an astronaut and what's realistic, because that could be a tricky road. But it is about um, also allowing people to dream a bit bigger and then put the steps in place. So a lot of the time, people come to me, they're anxious, they're overwhelmed, they just can't think straight. They're, they've been in that state for a long time and they can't think straight. So really the road mapping piece of work is about putting the tools and strategies together in a coherent and logical way that give you the step-by-step -step directions to get to where you want to go. Now, sometimes people then um, say, well, I want you to help me through this process. And of course, that's what I, I provide as a service. But sometimes they just need the road mapping session. It's just a little signposting session to get them in the right direction to um, help them decipher some of their thoughts and feelings and work out step-by-step -step what to do. So it's it's a very powerful tool and sometimes for some people that's all they need to get back on the right the right footing how much do you think society plays a part in all of this burnout and all of these fears oh, i love that question um such a good question i think it plays a huge part a huge part because now with the kind of the boomingness of social media there's just almost a sense for everybody that you can't do anything right for doing something wrong. Um, whatever you're doing, if it's a job, if it's cleaning your house, if it's raising children, no matter what you do and how you choose to do it, um, there's going to be an opinion out there that is contrary to how you're doing things. So really what I like to do is turn down all that noise for people and ground them in who they are and what their desires are and what they want and then strengthen them to stand on that solid rock of who they are and what they want and believe in for themselves. Not, not listening to what other people think, you know, no, you shouldn't let your baby nap. Yes, you should let your baby nap. No, you shouldn't. You should wear a power suit to it. No, you shouldn't. It's casual Friday. Don't, you know, whatever it might be. Um, really stand and own who you are and what you want and use that strength inside you and turn off the noise from the outside world. Um, there is 
you know, it's essentially society's gaslighting society now. You know, you you should be doing this harder. You should be doing this more. You should have lots of free time, but your kids should do activities. You know, it's it's, in, it's never ending. So we have to make intentional choices about what we're going to choose to listen to and expose ourselves to and what we're going to value and and what our framework for our own life is going to be. And that's based on what you want and who you are, not other people's thoughts and opinions. I think the the part of society too that I can really see tied in with this is kind of the timeline that society tells us we should in quotes do. So like I know for myself as a not quite 30 year old, I I'm getting away from it, but I've really felt the kind of pressure of the timeline, but you know, graduate high school, go to post-secondary, get a partner, move in get married have a baby buy a house Mm -hmm. happily ever after the white picket fence right and for some people that's what they want and that's great but not everybody wants that and so I think I can speak on my behalf and that's where some of my fears in that you know we're supposed to want this structure this set of whatever society tells us but what if we don't want that yeah yeah and we can we you know we actually can do things how we want to do them and live how we want to live and not be too concerned about convention. I I grew up in the United Kingdom where um, we take really major exams at the age of 16 and then some more major exams at the age of 18. And essentially the messaging from when you're very young is these exams are your life. And if you fail them, you fail your life. And I look back now and just think that that's ridiculous. (laughs) When you can see and, you know, so many people's journeys are convoluted and different. You know, you, people have gone to prison, then reformed themselves, and other people have done, you know, quote unquote, all the right things and then found themselves deeply dissatisfied with life. And actually, the biggest, most beautiful thing you can do is understand yourself and what gives you, brings you peace and joy and what you can do in life that brings in an income. Um, that facilitates some of your needs. Um, of course, that's not always possible in every situation for everybody. Um, there is an element of luxuriousness to that ideology. And I think we have to allow people the freedom to think about what they really want. But um, yeah, you're absolutely right that we we don't have to go along with convention and people's lives are a journey. And if we could only reframe life as a really beautiful journey of experiential growth and learning, we would be less um, fearful in general and less fearful of failing because there just is no failing there is only growth and so that actually brings me into a really maybe self-reflection or hypothetical question or rhetorical question now but when you were first discussing kind of the patterns that you see of people having that fear of failure that fear of success and what that means in between all of those Mm. I was gonna maybe challenge not you per se but just our ideas of well what is failure and what is success because I'm fairly positive that most people deem failure as different things and success is at least again partly by society standards it's you know that white picket fence life but also the money piece to it as well and Mm. Not everybody, again, sees that as being the ultimate success goal. Mm. And again, some might, but some don't. And then same with failure. Yes, I agree with you that we have broad 
um, strokes of what we think failure and success are. And that really varies. And something I kind of really frame to my children is success is really you just living a peaceful, happy life. And however that looks for you, for some people, that is, um, you know, living in the woods in the north and hunting their own food and making their own, um, for, you know, foraging their own food. That's what what brings them absolute joy. And for other people, you know, they they love interior design and they want all the colors coordinated, and that just brings them joy. <laughs> you know, so it's really, you know, it's sad. I don't like to use these polarizing terms. And something interestingly, I noticed when I moved to the United States is just the abundant use of the word success in school settings, um, which came as a shock to me because obviously if you use the word success a lot you are implicitly um suggesting to a child that there is the there is failure right so i think i found that a little shocking originally but um failure i think for people can vary again uh, i went through my own numerous experiences of failure and um very much grew up with a rhetoric that we don't fail so when I did fail, you know, I didn't have any skills and tools to prepare me and I didn't know what to do and I didn't know what that meant. And it was catastrophic for me. It was um, brokenness and I didn't know how to build from that. And I'm thankful that I've been through um, a number of um, failure experiences that have now become wonderful and beautiful for me, that have now allowed me to really roll with the punches when challenges come and not to be afraid anymore. So I'm thankful for those experiences. Um, and I hope that many people around me can reframe uh, what we call in society failure, whatever that might mean to you, into um, something beautiful as a, as a product, as, as a process for growth, as opposed to um, something to dread and be afraid of. I think that's, that's really a crucial, I guess, mindset shift yes. for for everybody that not necessarily needs to happen, I guess, but maybe, and I don't want to say should because then we're shooting on everybody, mm. benefit. A lot of people would benefit from that. Yeah, yeah. And not everybody fits into conventional boxes of how we think life should be, right? So some people, this is a relevant story and experience, and for other people, it isn't. And that's great. That's wonderful. And so you've kind of touched on what I would consider to be kind of the bigger, the bigger steps to overcoming these fears. Mm -hmm. What are some small kind of daily steps that we can take to, to, I guess, to support our own mindset shift and also just become more intentional with what we value, who we are, who we want to be, and then how we can work through the idea that, you know, success and failure is different for everybody and there really is no right or wrong way to do life. Yeah, I think that's... Um... That's a really good question. I think it is a thousand small steps. It really is. And so, you know, setting your sights in a realistic way of changing some habits you have in your behaviors and thoughts can be really powerful. And we can all fall off the wagon. So have grace with yourself when you do. I certainly do. Um, but, you know, one, one thing I would encourage is to step off the hamster wheel of life and take five minutes to bullet point um, some of your thoughts and feelings for that morning so you can just get some concreteness to your day. Um, I love to encourage assuming the best 
intention from everybody around you. There is a great deal of assuming the worst and taking offense and assuming someone intended their sentence um, in the worst possible way. And you will transform your life and those around you if you can assume the best, you know, assume that their intention was good, assume that they were meaning to help. Um, because we can all say literally one sentence and interpret it in 50 different ways. Um, so that's a very powerful thing for changing your mindset. Um, and then also really thinking about your own sense of worth and identity. So what do you feel you are capable of? I can guarantee you that most people I work with have a much lower estimation of what they are capable of than they should have. Most people are far more capable of doing a great deal more than they think they are. Now, I'm not saying you have to be, again, something it, it doesn't it doesn't mean you're going to do some radical life change maybe you're a teacher and you just want to manage your day-to-day -day a little better um you can absolutely do that you can want to manage your feelings and your thoughts a little better you can do that it doesn't you don't have to be gunning for some top position or different job role um it's not always about that but it's it's about those changing those daily habits and thoughts that you're having and really taking the time out this is why the roadmap is powerful very few people take 45 minutes out of their life to truly think about where they are now, who they are and where they want to be. And if you took time out to do that now, just think where you would be in a few years time. So um, road mapping, whether it's with me or just try and do that by yourself, then I encourage that and stepping off that hamster wheel and assuming the best of really powerful things you can do. Do you have any other maybe examples of smaller steps as well? I think those are so powerful, especially in, like we said, the timeline that society tells us, but also just the hustle culture that we live in. Just go, 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 right? Right. I, yes, it is very go, 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 go. And I, I like to live counter that culture. And that makes, that can make other people feel uncomfortable. If you are coming to the table and saying, I feel peaceful and I have time to do things, that makes people feel uncomfortable because we're not, you know, especially as women, broadly speaking, our identity is wrapped up in being busy and being a little tired and struggling. So if we aren't those things, are we doing enough? Are we, are we doing the right things? That's the question that can pass through people's minds. So firstly, you know, really re-examining, and I call that lifestyle redesign. So I do do a lot of lifestyle lifestyle redesign with people kind of going through what does your life look like and how do you take the steps to change that um and in terms of small steps you can take every day just to really counter some of the challenges we have going on i just it's the basics for me i don't like to be suggesting you know hey you need to meditate and then you have a hot bath and then a cold bath and then <laughs> you know all these things that are kind of trendy although those things are a lot of fun and very good for you you know really Expose yourself to daylight, go out for a walk. It is a mood lifter. It is a regulator. You know, move your body and go out and go outside. If you can get those two things in every day and then be very realistic about the other demands in your life, really weigh up those demands and prioritize those things. Um, again, five bullet points, my priorities. What is, what is a low priority? What is a high priority? And sorting through the new noise can be very helpful. Is there, is there a way that maybe, I guess, is there a reason why there should only be five priority or is that just kind of a starting point? 
I like to keep um, I like to keep things short and concise. Uh, if you are a person who processes with journaling and you love to write and that's powerful for you, go ahead do do a lot more for you. For you people that that's a struggle and you just need to get some things out. Um, I encourage you to just kind of stick to just short and fast bullet points. For some people, I do have a technique for brain dumping, which I just encourage people to use if they're just not even able to sit and tie their thoughts down is to use a speech to text on your phone where you just talk through everything that's in your head and it it writes the text down and you can pull out you know, the top five things from all your, your little ramblings out of that and make some sense of the noise in your head. So um, it's really just methods to pull out from your head all the things that are floating around and tie down the top five. Otherwise, you'll, they'll be floating around, you'll bob around and um, it'll feel a little, it can feel a little ADHD-ish sometimes. I, I'm going to steal that. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I find a lot of times that there's, well, I do have a lot of goals and I'm constantly reminded of that, but I, I tend to struggle to get it out. And so I, you know, I have book goals and I have author goals and I have podcast goals and all of these things. And so I tend not to necessarily verbalize them with people but also not even just write them out or share with myself so I think the the brain dump is huge yeah yeah and this is the thing is it's that um we tend to have it all floating around right in our heads and it's very hard to organize information that's floating around your head if you keep it floating in your head so that brain dump tool is really powerful um just again speaking it all out and getting it typed it'll type it all out for you and then just um pulling just going wow yeah i'm really i'm clearly thinking about this a lot today pulling the main themes out to narrow um your action points so you can have a bit of strategy around um your goals and your thoughts instead of them just bobbing around <laughs> in your mind do you do you tend to recommend journaling as well for a lot of your clients? Uh, I do. It does depend on the client, right? I, I would say I would not put myself as someone who naturally journals. So um, I I use like a time cap for myself because it to make myself sit down and do it. I find it really helpful when I do it, but um, I don't like to sit and write. So I will time cap it in bullet point. Now, like I said, someone else who loves to journal, um, they might just find it a beautiful experience every day to do that for 30 minutes and they just can't, you know, just want to keep going. And that's great. But you've got to be tuned into who you are as a person and what helps you the most. So for me personally, what helps me the most is bullet points and keeping it short and sweet. Now, with a client, I will certainly spend time understanding that client first before making recommendations on what's helpful. But I certainly think putting pen to paper in any capacity is a powerful tool. And it's really about structuring that in a way that works for you. Do you think there's also maybe benefit or on the other hand, harm or hindrance in others sharing what's also on their heart, maybe as it pertains to their values and their goals? Is there a, a sorry, can you just repeat that? Is there a, a concern around doing that, did you say? Almost like, do you think it is more beneficial or more harmful for some to be able to 
express kind of what's on their heart, but in a way of not, I'm not thinking therapy more so just like with loved ones or friends in talking about kind of brain dumping, I guess, and, and getting out the, the values and the goals that they have. You know, I think that's a case by case basis. I, again, it depends on who you are and knowing yourself. And I do a whole module in my 12 week program around how do you know yourself and who you are and how do you get to know yourself? So for me, again, I use myself as a case study. Um, You know, I find it powerful to reflect and talk out loud with somebody and go through things. Now, other people work very differently to that, depending on their character and the personality. So that's a case by case basis. And it depends on how you know, quote unquote, safe people around you are, if they're going to be listening and uplifting and, um, you know, attentive, or are they maybe going to um, make fun of or pull that down? And certainly, if you think that it's the latter, I would not choose those people to um, talk through potential hopes, dreams, fears, emotions, because that wouldn't be very safe. So you really want to engage with people who who are going to uplift you. And if that's not the case, then then don't don't pour your heart out to those people. Keep your guard. Your heart is a good is a good um, piece of wisdom, and guard your heart in the sense of protecting yourself in those situations. Um, so it that's a it, it can vary, I suppose, is my answer. I the only reason I guess I asked Mel is because I find digging into more of kind of my inner child Mm. inner healing all of that type work Mm. there I always hear this the quote or the saying don't tell anybody your goals until you're already doing them Mm. and I, I wasn't sure if that would maybe help people or if that would hinder them more because then you're kind of stuck or to, for myself anyways, kind of stuck in, well, I want to do this, I want to do this, but I don't have any anyone to necessarily bounce ideas off of or, you know, to get more insight. And so it, it almost be, makes me feel stuck if I were to follow that saying, but then others may not feel that way. I think for some people, you can get really excited about goals and share them with people. And sadly, um, maybe the people you share them with are not going to be as supportive as you might hope of your goals. And so that's maybe where that piece of advice stems from. But again, it's very individual, isn't it? So for you, it sounds like you may be somebody who really benefits from sharing and reflecting and talking through. And as I like to remind people, it's okay to pivot, right? You might have set some goals and then life has shifted a little bit and you're like, okay, I need to pivot on these goals. And you need, you know, you want to choose wisely, whoever it is, family, friend, professional, you want to choose wisely who you do share that information with, because it may surprise you who is supportive and who isn't. And other people sometimes feel threatened by your newfound drive and innovation and they feel um, like left behind or it brings up their own stuff. And so that they may speak from that place and that might not help you. So I think it's, again, it's just a bit of wisdom on who you share what with. Which really kind of goes back to what you've been mentioning this whole time in awareness of who you are and what you want mm. and just the, the self. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, um, you know, uh, some people are really self-aware. They've done a lot of work. They know who they are. And other people, they, they don't really know what they like. They don't really know what they don't like. They don't know what kind of person they are. So that's 
a really primary piece of work is to know and understand yourself. So, you know, depending on who I'm working with, we might spend a little more time or a little less time on that, figuring out who you are as a person. It's a powerful tool because who you are and how you relate to people and how you, even how you manage stress and how you process information and how you move forward um, can be very different. Even if you're an introvert to an extrovert, you know, it can be varied. So knowing yourself is a really central piece of growth, development, um, maturity, um, being mentally healthy, um, being mentally wealthy, as I like to call it, and and moving yourself forward in life. I really like that that piece of mental wealth. Mm, yeah, I like to use the, the phrase mental wealth. And the reason I like to use that is because we've become polarized again as a society about mental health and it's very trendy. And I worked in mental health for um, 15 years and I have seen severely chronically mentally ill, highly disturbed um, individuals who need a lot of support. And I also see people who are struggling with um, moderate, mild to moderate, it's categories are not super helpful, but you you get the idea of what I'm saying. Mild to moderate mental health issues, such as anxiety, depression, etc. And and for me, I like to I like to look at mental wealth in the context of those mild to moderate issues, where we look at living a mentally wealthy life. And we look at kind of almost hoarding mental wealth money, you know, what can I do to collect money from my mental wealth? And in terms of what is good for me on a day to day basis, and what is not good for me. Um, and so I find that language helps people understand um, struggles we can have as as people in in day to day life. I really, I really enjoy that kind of description, but also just the term. It's mm. it it definitely, I think, takes away from society's desire to polarize and kind of have a good or a bad sense right. to it. Yeah, yeah, and there's a lot of um, you know. There's a lot of, uh, it, everything becomes political, doesn't it? There's a lot of mockery in some areas where people are, oh, you've taken a mental health day, whatever it might be. And actually, we just want people to be mentally wealthy and do what they need to do to do that so they can function day to day and live joyful, wonderful lives. And there are certain basics that are ignored in society now that are just powerful and useful and wonderful um, that we're not doing, that we're not paying attention to. You know, there's a huge culture around, fix it, fix it, fix it, put a bandaid on it, get back to what you're doing and not addressing the issue. Um, and really, we, if we form some really simple, basic, powerful habits day to day, we can build our mental wealth and become more mentally wealthy. What do you think some of the things that are missing in society are? Um, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm going to refer... I'm in the United States right now, so I'm going to make reference more to the United States where I have been residing for a while. But uh, I feel that there is just a massive neglect on basic, <laughs> basic human need of routine sleep, um, exposure to daylight um, and, and back into the school system for this because there is that. Um, All the schools, the, the very little daylight. The children have very limited recess times compared to what would be normal in the rest of the world, which is a huge bugbear of mine. Um, 
And so basics all the way in childhood, which are play and daylight and learning about um, your thresholds. You know, if I climb this tree, can I jump out? Can I climb down? You know, really learning to weigh that risk up. That is being dismantled as fear increases in society about allowing children to go out and play. Um, so I'll, sorry, I'll go back. I'm saying daylight and play for children and um, normal circadian rhythms and um being bored are the roots of, of good mental health in children. Um, and then really building that all the way up to adults where we have work lives where people are again in offices for long periods of time. They're not moving. Um, they're not getting out in the lunch breaks to go, to go move their bodies. They're not eating healthy food. You know, you really want to be thinking about what you're eating, thinking about how much you're moving, thinking about how much you're connecting with people. Um, including people from everywhere in your workplace and connecting with them is powerful and um, forming those friendships. So many people now are saying, I don't have any friends. I don't know how to make friends. Um, it's, it's all there um, for the taking and, and really authenticity and transparency and being open. And that comes back around to assuming the best in other people. Um, so many people are very fearful to share with others, they're fearful of what they will think and say. But if you are standing true and solid in who you are, you know, then that fear can diminish and we can share openly and we can work together as communities to move forward. I think that's so important. And I totally agree in even in Canada where I'm at, mm. there is a lot of the basics that are just pushed it aside and ignored. And really they are fundamental but we just, again, continue to push them to the side because we have to do A, B, and C every day on top of X, Y, Z, right? Yep, yep. Yeah, and it's it really um, saddens me because, of course, there's this upsurge of um, diagnoses going on as kids get older and adults as well, and we're just ignoring. I'm not suggesting that that would um, reduce rates of diagnosis, but I am saying that we are, you know, not attending to the fundamentals of human life, which are connection, authenticity, you know, some peace, some slowness in the rhythm of our day, um, you know, giving kids that free time to, to explore, um, living fear-free lives. Um, or just, I could go on and on about this topic, but I won't because I know we don't have the time, but, you know, we really, and, and it's not just for kids. As adults, we need to do that, but you have to also choose that. You know, I've worked in settings where, hey, I'm going out for lunchtime walk. Let's take 30 minutes or even 20 minutes just to move our bodies. People don't, they don't join. They, you know, and you have to choose it for yourself and you have to choose it that day and the next day and the next day. You know, your life is the um, sum of your, your a million decisions that you make on a day-to-day -day business, a day-to-day -day, um, decision-making life. So, you know, it's, it's really powerful stuff. That's, I feel like this, this conversation has been so empowering and just supportive in, in trying to maybe at the root or the foundation really discover just who you are and then using that to your advantage in everyday life. 
Yeah, I think too many people are trying to live like somebody else. And, you know, there's only one of you as a person and who you are has value. You bring unique things to the world that no one else can bring. And as as soon as we stop trying to live how someone else lives or how we think someone else should be or how we think our house should be or whatever it might be, and you live as you authentically to yourself, um, the, the more joy you can experience, the more peace you can experience. And above all, I think many of us are seeking peace. Many people are not living life with peace anymore. And I, I would really encourage, um, if that's you, to reach out because you can you can live peace, you can live um, joy, you can live a life where you accept yourself and you have compassion. Um, and those things are super powerful. And where is some maybe websites or socials that listeners can find you mel oh absolutely yeah i have um my own website which is uh, melhoman.com and i'm also on instagram um at melhoman coach so that's where i post you know little tidbits videos and content and often that's where people connect with me to find out more about my 12-week transformational program which is so much fun to deliver one-on-one with people it's powerful it's life-changing there's tears there's happiness there's joy um and the shift and transformation in people is what i live for i mean it it sets my heart light to, to see, and it brings me a great deal of happiness and joy. So um, if it sounds like something you would like, feel free to connect um, through those avenues. That sounds incredible. And again, Mel, thank you so much for being a guest and sharing all these nuggets of wisdom. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. They, I think to me, these nuggets seem really small, but there's so much value in the smallness of them. And I think it, it gives more to me, realistic goals to work with rather than, you know, zero to a hundred as soon as right. possible. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Pace yourself, pace yourself with all your dreams and goals. Make sure you make it realistic. Amazing. Well, thank you again so much, Mel, for being a guest and sharing all of your wisdom. And I look forward to following your journeys on socials. Awesome. So fun, fun to connect with you, Jeff, and speak to you soon. Sounds good. And to you, Mel, and to the listeners, I'm sending you lots of love and lots of light. Bye, everyone.